0: Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we are talking about your 18 and 33 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I play the hits, and nothing but the hits. We got fake trades for half the roster, including the first discussion of Luke Kennard as a trade asset. Uh, trade deadlines Thursday, get used to it. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave Comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this trade season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host, Lazarus Jackson, pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Golker. Ben, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Liz, not doing too bad. Happy Groundhog Day. Um, yeah, Groundhog saw a shadow. Six more weeks of crappy basketball, I think, is what uh, <laughs> that means for Pistons fans. So, yeah, happy Groundhog Day and happy Super Bowl Sunday halftime of the big game for those watching and obviously listening to day later. How are you doing, Les?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, the commercials so far have been pretty mediocre from what I can tell. That is the, my uh, my spouse is traveling and that's the, and so like she ha- doesn't have a great seat for the Super Bowl. So she's like texting me like, are the commercials good? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And I
1: feel like these- they haven't been really good in like a decade. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old, but man, I just feel like they used to be so much better.
0: It feels like the more effort they like put into making them good, the kind of the worse they got. Yeah, and so it's, it's I want the Budweiser
1: frogs back. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, but we got we got some uh, Piston stuff to talk about uh, in honor of the trade deadline being on this Thursday. We're just mostly going to talk about the trade deadline, and in that vein, the biggest news of the week we got was that the the Pistons are making Luke Kennard available. They're not saying no if teams ask about Luke Kennard. We got that report from James Edwards at The Athletic. Uh, James also had a live blog where he kind of intimated that there was some uh, friction between Luke and the coaching staff regarding his injury that perhaps makes why the Pistons would make him available make a little bit more sense. But what what do you think about Luke Kennard's availability on the trade block, Ben?
1: Well, I think a team that's been as bad as the Pistons this long, as I've said over and over again, should be open to just about anything. So uh, I'm not totally opposed to this move. I think the thing that um, is starting to concern me about Kennard a little bit is this injury history. Obviously, we don't know the full details about what's going on right now. We only get little glimpses. you know. But he's missed a lot of time as a professional basketball player now, and uh, he's approaching a payday. Um, it's not going to be small, right? I mean, he's going to make a decent amount of money. He's probably going to make somewhere around starters money. So the Pistons have to think about, you know, do we want to invest in this guy who's obviously a good player on the basketball floor? Um, is he a starter? Is he a come off the bench guy? Not hundred percent clear, but more importantly, what is his injury history? What does it say about his future health? Uh, so that's a big question for me. So I'm not opposed to um, potentially moving Luke Kennard. I think trading him on his own you know, as we've talked about this rookie scale contracts, don't bring back enough typically, right? You want to have productive rookies because that's incredible value in terms of bang for the buck. But, you know, as a, as an add on to a larger trade that makes sense, I'm going to say, I'm not, I'm not opposed to this. uh, And I'm glad the Pistons aren't opposed to it either. I think they have to be, uh, they got to be pretty much open to anything right now.
0: Yeah. When, when the season is going this poorly, uh, like it, it makes sense to have everybody available. And we've talked, we've talked a lot about what the core of this team looks like going forward as well. And like what role like Luke plays into that. But at the same time, we've also talked about like Luke's next contract and what we're comfortable paying Luke and like how much that's going to be. And then, um, and you know what his ultimate role on this team is going to be, whether that's as a starter or on the bench. And I can, I can definitely see where uh from a professional standpoint like he would be frustrated if uh, he is he just he, because uh, the K, the coach thinks it's better for him to come off the bench and that like limits his earning opportunity um, I can see why he would be frustrated about that would he be frustrated enough about it to perhaps like hypothetically milk a knee injury like you know another week or two past uh, being fully healthy or whatever? that's possible. I don't want to like cast any aspersions, but like that is a scenario that happens in the NBA. We'd be foolish to think that like, uh, that that wasn't, uh, a possibility, but at the same time, like this team could absolutely use him. And this is a very valuable, uh, information gathering period for Luke, right? Like with all these ball handlers that the Pistons are lacking, like we could really get to see what Luke would be capable of with the ball in his hands this season. And so, like There are a lot of moving pieces with Luke Kennard but I do want to go back to something that you said though, about including Luke, not necessarily like as a solo trade, but as part of a larger deal. And so uh, we've talked a little bit about Andre Drummond and how his trade value has kind of fallen, um, especially since he, ever since the trade rumors about him came out, his play has varied greatly from game to game. Uh, he had a, decent half tonight. He had a good fourth quarter tonight. He did not have a good first quarter, but, uh, but the combination of Luke and Drummond perhaps gets you closer to what the Pistons were seeking in like originally an Andre Drummond trade. And so I got a couple of fake trades for you, Ben. Um, we got, and a couple of these have been passed on to me uh, just by like individuals. And so the first one we got is Andre Drummond, luke Kennard, a future second round pick for two of the indiana pacers for miles turner and doug mcdermott what do you think about that ben
1: i need to be persuaded about this one um so there the the thing here is i guess it depends on your evaluation of how good miles turner is and how close he is to his ceiling um to me doug mcdermott i mean take it or leave it i don't feel strongly about him either way um But I don't know, I I sort of feel lukewarm about Miles Turner because I don't feel like he's taken any real big jumps as a pro. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of untapped potential there left left to be tapped into. So I'm skeptical in the past. I feel like I remember you liking Miles Turner more than me. So maybe you can make a better case for this one than I can.
0: So. The thing that Miles Turner has encountered this season is that he's really struggled because he's been de-emphasized in the offense. Um, he tends to play very, uh, very passively in on, in the offense. And like, as such, the coaching staff has like decided to place the ball in DeMondis Bonas' hands and in Malcolm Brogdon's hands. And uh, a lot of Indiana fans are frustrated about Miles's role in the offense. Um, however, Turner remains an excellent defender, um, great shot blocker, great, uh, not necessarily like an amazing like leaper, but very tall, uh, great verticality and uh, offers a lot of potential in like the drop scheme. The Pistons like to play Um, my the when I got thrown this trade, my thing was like why Indiana wouldn't do this, because if they do like Turner is probably available, I think we actually got a report from somebody that Turner was uh, available from the Pacers. But uh, if they would do that, they would trade Turner f- for not another big man so they could play Sabonis at center, which is, like, the whole point of this. And also, like, including McDermott makes uh, makes it even more difficult because McDermott is probably a guy you would play as, like, a small ball for next to Sabonis and just, like, a very uh, offensively orientated lineup. And so uh, while I see like where this trade is going, um, I didn't really see what like what was in it for Indiana. I mean, obviously, Indiana would be interested in Luke Kennard, maybe as as a as a guy who would provide like a lot of punch off the bench for them. Um, You know, they get they have managed to like cobble together like some good bench units. But to have like a, a score of Luke's talent coming off the bench is something that is like an element they don't really have right now. Um, so I see why, and like Luke would obviously, um, he'd be like a, a fan favorite in Indiana immediately just cause he's like a very heady player and everything. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't see why the Pacers would be interested in it. And I, I got, kind of, I got kind of thrown for a loop when this trade was thrown at me. So that, that, that's my sense of this. This doesn't quite make sense, but I, I did want to throw it out there. All right. One more, I got, or I guess I got a couple more. We got Andre Drummond straight up for James Johnson, Justice Winslow and Casey Akpala.
1: (laughs) All right. So uh, this one is just like, basically, I don't know much about Casey Akpala. So you, you tell me more about him, but this is, this basically just like taking a shot that Justin Winslow is going to be good for the Pistons. Right. I mean, James Johnson is, you know, right. Just filler. Um, Akpala. I don't, I don't, really know a lot about him, as I said. But yeah, Winslow, I mean, there are things I really like about his game. And the obviously plays a position where the Pistons have not been great. <laughs> so I can see the attractiveness here. I think the thing I don't like about this is I've sort of had my heart set on some sort of future asset for Drummond. Because I, I keep thinking our rebuild is, you know, two or three years away from coming to fruition. But um, if you're going to get a prospect back, I think... You know, justice is probably the most interesting of the prospects that we've talked about. So, um, I'm not, I'm not against this. I could be persuaded that this is worth doing. I think.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think that uh, like Winslow is really good. More importantly, Winslow is cost controlled for the next couple of years. Yeah, that's right. So he he doesn't have the potential of a Luke Kennard where like he could get overpaid very quickly and in this deal like akpala would be your future prospect right like akpala was a a pretty high second round pick last year a guy that if i remember correctly has really struggled in the g league but also like injured his achilles if i remember correctly in training camp and so maybe the achilles injury uh is is like the reason for his struggles uh akpala was a guy i was really advocating for uh before the draft just because he's a very long very versatile wing you can see what he would be at his like absolute uh maximum potential he'd be like a very very good player but he hasn't shown that he can reach that consistently and so like that would be the trouble but uh, with that um the other the other thing is like Justice Winslow uh is very good but uh like that would that would be actually a really interesting lineup with like him, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, and Sekou. Like that's a very versatile. Uh, like oh, that's since he he can handle the ball and Luke can handle the ball, and we're seeing now that Bruce can handle the ball. Yeah, it's you'd like, have oh. four
1: ball handlers, really.
0: Yeah, that that's really versatile. He has turned himself into a, like a pretty good spot up three point shooter as well. Uh, and so it's not necessarily like a versatile shooter, but he's like he can he can make spot up threes, and so you could you could run the offense in that way. And so he, Winslow like I don't want to underplay Winslow. Winslow would be uh, a really good get for the Pistons. Um but it is it is kind of weird that like we've this is where this is where the Andre Drummond like <laughs> Exactly. This is hit. how
1: far it's fallen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. well And so I guess the last trade we've got is in kind of the same vein. Uh we got the report a couple weeks ago that the Atlanta Pistons or the Atlanta Hawks and the Detroit Pistons had completely like shut off trade talks. Um, that turned out to not be fully true. Um, we we did get a report or we did get a tweet from Woj uh, like during the Super Bowl that uh, Houston is engaged with a lot of teams, including Atlanta, for a center, um, and so or for trading Clint Capella. So we know Atlanta still has interest in uh, some sort of center, and so we got. Uh, another fake trade so we're kind of combining everything we've already talked about we've got Andre Drummond and Luke Kennard and a future Detroit Pistons second round pick for Evan Turner Cam Reddish Alex Lynn, and the Brooklyn first round pick this year what do you think about that Ben so
1: this news is so fresh like I didn't even have time to look up all these guys contracts right like I mean this is this is a pretty fresh tweet um so, the appeal here is that Brooklyn first, I think. I mean, none of those guys. There was a time where I was really excited about Evan Turner, but that ship has long sailed. Um, so, I don't know. I guess where do we think that Brooklyn pick's going to land? Probably looks like it's going to be pretty similar to ours, except we might have a shot at the lottery. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, this one underwhelms me a little bit, Laz. I'm going to be honest.
0: So the there's like a lot of moving pieces with this one so brooklyn we just got the news that like Kyrie sprained his knee last night and so i don't think they're going to fall out of the playoffs necessarily but that pick is going to be like in the low teens so that's that's like not an invaluable pick that's not that I just to throw in correct um Evan Turner is the salary, just because you know Chandler Parsons got in the car accident, that makes him less likely to be able to pass the physical to even be traded. So that's a holdup right there. Um, Cam Reddish uh, has shot; I think he shot forty percent from three for the month of January, which is like a big improvement for him. And so I do wonder if, uh, like, if that kind of portends his turnaround offensively. So the Hawks are like less interested. In dealing him but I do think Luke would have real interest for the for the Hawks just as like another ball handler guy who can take a little bit of the offensive pressure off of Trey Young and uh would be and Atlanta like has the cap space to pay both Andre and Luke in the not too distant future but I wonder how I wonder if they're worried about like ceiling, right? Like, if if you pay, you have to pay Trey Young his max contract. You got to pay Luke a, a good deal of money, and you got to pay Andre whatever. You got to pay Andre. Um, like, all of a sudden, you you might have much less cap space than you think. And so the but the inclusion of Luke like definitely gets the Pistons like back into the conversation with the Hawks about an Andre Drummond trade. Um, it definitely puts uh, that that Brooklyn pick back into play. So. I was I was thinking maybe like you if you lower the prospect level from Reddish to another guy like you like Evan Turner, Bruno Fernando, Alex Lynn and the Brooklyn first, um, like maybe for for Drummond and Luke, maybe that gets you a little bit closer. Maybe you get another future first round pick from Atlanta uh, in order to to kind of balance that out a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I was I was really when when this trade got thrown at me, I was really interested because we we've talked a lot about how um, Andre would be a really good fit in Atlanta. And we've talked a lot about how they seemed unwilling to kind of come off their uh, their desire to like not give up anything like truly valuable for him. And so I wonder if like if they're really worried about Andre leaving in free agency or whatever, um, if, if that happens. You, you still have, like, a Luke Kennard. You still have his restricted free agency rights. You have something valuable from that trade to to show for it on on your end.
1: And I will say, like, as I hinted at the last couple of weeks, like, I'm starting to think that it's in the best interest of the Pistons for Andre Drummond to opt in and then trade him, to be perfectly honest with you. Because, like, he's played so badly the last, what, two weeks? Really, you know, since, as you mentioned, this trade news broke this year it's like he's always had turnover issues but like he looks like I said I've been watching just his turnovers trying to figure out like what is going on with this man he just looks completely deflated and almost disinterested in the game of basketball in a way that I really don't ever remember seeing him before so there's part of me that feels like you know any trade for him right now is just absolutely at the floor as you mentioned like there's just no worse time for the Pistons to need to trade Andre Drummond than right now.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's an accident that we got the reports that like, you might need, you might need to package like Luke and Andre together as Andre's play, like fell off a cliff as he got into the, in the trade rumors. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ben, obviously the, the other big piece the Pistons have to trade is Derek Rose. We've gotten sort of conflicting reports about Rose's availability. Um, You know, he, he has, you know, he has a handshake deal with Ar- Arn Tellem that he's not going to be traded. Uh, he comes out a couple days later in the free press and says, like, I hope I'm not traded, but like, I understand if I am. Uh, we got the report that the Pistons are are asking for a a lottery pick or a very high draft pick for Derrick Rose, which is like probably too high a price and sounds like a price you would put for a guy you like don't actually want to trade all that much. Um, We've got a lot of reports about how Derek Rose is really good in the locker room and how the team wants to be competitive next year. Um, And then, you know, obviously there's uh, the injury risk. He did not play the second half of the Denver game with groin soreness. You know, uh, perhaps that's just a cover for a trade. You might want to keep him out for a couple days until the trade deadline on Thursday. But, you know, this is, this has been very, this has been a very trying time. How did, how does the, the uh, groin soreness kind of complicate your idea of, of a Derrick Rose trade Ben?
1: Well so to me I've always envisioned well, I shouldn't say always since we acquired since we acquired Derrick Rose and he started playing really great basketball the trade scenario I have envisioned is you know a playoff team wants to add something to their bench to sort of push them into their next tier right um, so asking for a lottery pick for that sort of a trade situation obviously doesn't make a lot of sense because you're obviously not talking to lottery teams, right? Um, the groin soreness to me is not concerning because, again, if you're trading him to a team that's already good, uh, that team has the ability to manage his minutes and doesn't have to you know, worry about getting him back until they really need him, right? So uh, the groin soreness isn't super worrying to me. I think you're right. It's an astute observation that maybe we're talking about just – Avoiding a a really bad injury, just in case a really fortuitous trade does come along for Derrick Rose, Um, but I don't know that. I think it was Vince Ellis in the Free Pass who, um, you know, seemed to pretty much say this is not a likely trade to happen because the Pistons want to field a competitive roster next season, and that to me just like, oh, that that was a gut punch because, you know, I've been. I've come to the realization, right? Like emotionally and as a fan, like okay, we're we're gonna rebuild. Like Andre Drummond is gonna move on. Um, we're gonna try to rebuild. But you know, if you're worried about holding on to Derrick Rose because you want to be better in a year, you're not talking about a rebuild, right? You're like you're once again sort of talking about some sort of a half measure that maybe keeps you decent, but doesn't really set you up to do anything particularly interesting uh, via the draft or. Um, cutting a bunch of salary to to prepare for a free agency maybe two years from now. Um, so again, I just feel like this is short sighted. I, I don't feel like um, you know asking for a lottery pick is realistic. I don't think he's worth that to many teams, if any. Um, and and I really I really don't think um, being competitive a season from now it should be the Pistons' goal. I think they need to be more long term oriented than that.
0: I wonder about the price like as you mentioned like it doesn't make any sense to place like a a lottery pick bounty on a guy when the teams as you said that would be interested in him are, are playoff teams that's the teams who would need a derrick rose uh on the other hand we've gotten we the sense i get from like all of the beat writers is that the pistons will make some sort of deal and you know we did 10 minutes on how nobody wants andre drummond And now we're doing three minutes on, like, how the Pistons don't actually want to trade Derek Rose. And so, like, those two things are in conflict, right? And so I I do think that – I think the B guys have it right. I think a deal does get done. I just wonder if the Pistons – I wonder like if the Pistons are smoke screening their their desire to trade Derrick Rose like a little bit too hard, right? And if that's lowering his, what the market for him might be. But you know, we don't have a lot of insight into the front office like we we're not on those phone calls, like we don't have any sources. And so I'm just I'm very curious to see like how this ends up playing out. Um pulling him from pulling him from the Denver game for uh for groin soyness is like pretty groin soreness is something that can like linger. And so that like, wouldn't make me feel good about his odds of being traded. Um, But it's also something that is like, it's not like, it's not a really bad injury. And so I do believe he could like still pass the physical and still be traded on that groin injury Um, or like on, you know, on a third hand um, I do believe that the front office like wants to compete. I do. I do believe that the owner, I believe that Tom Gore is like wants to continuously complete compete next year. Um, I believe that they want to be competitive for as long as like Blake Griffin is on the roster. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know what that means to them, right? Like, does that mean they're going to trade Derrick Rose for a first round pick? Does that mean they're trying to trade like Andre Drummond for something that's going to help them make the playoffs next year? Like that, that's the, the tricky thing. It, it, kind of it kind of just depends and you know th- at least at the absolute least they seem to have pulled the plug on this season right they seem to have accepted that you know at 15 games under 500 more than 15 games under 500 or whatever like they're not going to make the playoffs and so they're, they're they're competing every night and like that's what you want from a coaching staff and uh, from the individual players but, like, the team just doesn't have the talent right now to, to go out and actually win games. So no one's blaming them for not winning games, which is at least a step in the right direction, we'll say. All right, Ben, uh, another guy I want to bring up is Markeef Morris. Markeith Morris was not on the injury report and but he also did not play against the Denver Nuggets with uh, hip soreness. That's another kind of like head scratcher, like, hmm, like uh, how, you know, how sore could his hip really be? Is this just a thing where they're holding him out just in case he gets traded? Um, what would your what would your ideal return for Markeith Morris be? He's been playing pretty well as of late.
1: Yeah, he's had some nice games, Um he's shot the ball particularly well uh, in some of those games as well. Um, you know, Markeith doesn't make a lot of money, so his individual return is not much at all, um, which could be advantageous. Like if, you know, somebody wants to add something to the bench and they, you know, match contracts for somebody bad and give you a second round or something, um, that seems realistic. His, his contract's also small enough that it could be packaged into the, one of these larger conversations. Like, you know, if if there's a team that wants to bring on Derek Rose and Markeith Morris and that gets the Pistons little something back additional in return like a future second um, I think that that could be interesting but yeah I mean it's hard to envision one given his contract it's it's small Um, two you know given his age it's obviously just bench filler for a good team would probably be the the only kind of team that's interested the return's not going to be much Um, but again you never know what a second round pick can turn into even if the odds are you know pretty insignificant but that feels about right to me for him
0: yeah. I will say the the Pistons don't have a second round pick this year. And so trading Markeith for a second round pick in, in this year's draft and then like using that playing time to get like a Seiku more playing time or getting a Christian Wood more playing time. Even uh if if you just traded him into space that opens up a roster spot. You could even bring up Dante Hall, a guy we've we've talked about on this podcast from Grand Rapids as a as a guy we'd we'd like to see just play some basketball. Another uh, energy big man for the Pistons. And so, like, yeah, I think I think that's something that um, some teams like should absolutely be interested in. Um, you know, we heard we heard the Lakers had some interest uh, because, excuse me, because he's a big man who can shoot. You you heard Philly had some interest. Um, you know, you hear the the Clippers are really after his brother, Marcus, but, you know, perhaps if they couldn't get him, they could just get the next best thing, which is, <laughs> which is the twin. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, and, you know, if, as I talked about, the beat guys are like really uh, certain that a trade could be made, you know, trading Markeith Morris into somebody like for a second round pick, like would definitely be a trade you could make. And so like that, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that. But we we do got to talk about Markeith, though, because he has he has been playing really well since he uh, came back from that uh, toe injury. Yeah, I think he injured his toe. And so he definitely is a guy that would have interest uh, around the league. Uh, Another guy that we know has interest around the league is Langston Galloway. Um, He's played. He has kind of dropped off a little from his very like torrid start to the season. But he's been much more consistent than he's been in past years been uh just really professional from what i can tell been uh you know great to have uh around the locker room good dude um what do you think the the pistons uh should be looking for in a langston galloway trade
1: so i have of, of all the guys the pistons have langston is the guy i've put in the trade machine the most to try to figure out of the teams who we've heard interest in langston like how does it work and his contract is difficult to match with with the the playoff teams i've throwing him into the trade machine with. So to me, I don't know, his contract makes him harder of any of the guys we've talked about. Um, So I I don't know. I don't think there is much of a return for him, unfortunately, even though his contract is the biggest. I I don't know. I just don't see, you know, I haven't been able to find the the trade that works. Um, And that's unfortunate because I, honestly, I'd like to go see Langston play for a winner because you're right. He's been extremely professional. Um, he's been a positive presence for the Pistons and you're right. This has been his most consistent season. Um, he's been so hot and cold for the Pistons over the course of his time with Detroit. Uh, this year he's, as you mentioned, has cooled off a little bit, but we haven't seen the low lows that we've seen in the past. So I, hopefully that's, uh, you know, hopefully that's a sign of things to come for the rest of his career, whether he you know gets traded this season or signed somewhere else. But, um, yeah, I, I have had a very hard time making something work for Langston Galloway.
0: Yeah, we talked a lot about Philly um as like earlier as a team that could really use a Langston Galloway. Uh, since then, like they have gotten uh some really good play from Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah, so, they have. Yeah. So that makes that makes that maybe a little bit less appealing. Um you look at like a, a Denver though, like we, we saw Denver play uh today again against the Pistons. And they really are missing a knockdown shooter. They have a lot of guys who can uh, drive and kick and uh, make their own shot. Um, they have uh, you know, a lot of guys who are used to playing with Nikola Jokic and, and finishing off like back cuts and stuff like that. And you saw Jokic was like just magnificent uh, in today's game. But they, they really lack like a knockdown catch and shoot three point shooter kind of guy. Um, they have a lot of flexible salary. Um, And I think they are now with the loss. They're now third in the Western conference, but like if they were looking to make some noise in the playoffs, like I understand how a Langston Galloway could definitely help them. Um, And to speak to Langston's consistency, you know, like last year, something I looked at was his month to month splits. Like he'd shoot 40% from three, one month and like 31% from three the next month, then 33%, then like 38% this year. He's been 41% from three in October, 41% from three in November, 39% from three in December, 37% from three in January, and he only played – he's played one game in February, but he's two of four, so he's 50%. But just like there's no – the low lows have not been there, and that makes him much more appealing than it did uh than it would have like say last season. And so like, yeah, there's any team that like needs shooting and like all teams kind of need a shooter, but since he's been so good this year, like somebody somebody could definitely use Langston. All right, Ben, one more wild card for you. Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson has played pretty well since he's come back from injury. Um he's looked like himself. He scored uh he had twenty points uh today he the pick and roll with him and Andre Drummond was what the Pistons leaned on down the stretch against the Denver nuggets um, you know shades of old Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond on both sides um, was really effective in the overtime period uh, and I know it's low odds because you know he's because he's been injured and because of the size of the contract, but do you think uh, there's a possibility we could see Reggie be on the move at the deadline
1: so as I understand that, the sort of the approach of the league this year, there's nobody really vying to clear out cap space for this summer, right? Like it's next, next summer, which would be what the summer of 21. Um, And Reggie's the type of contract at about 18 million a year that seems to have more value as an expiring contract than as an added piece um, because that contract is, you know, it's, it's big, right? You're talking legitimate starter money. Um, But I would have to think that Reggie's play has opened people's eyes a little bit because you're right. He's been very good. Um, The pick and roll, man, it's, it's more of like the, what could have been sort of feeling that I've had at times throughout this season. Um, You know, what could Andre Drummond's trade value be right now if he and Reggie had been able to play together healthy for four seasons, you know, like I think we'd be talking about a very different Andre Drummond and a very different Reggie Jackson. Um, Reggie appears to have, you know, last year he improved as a three point shooter. That, Appears to be a real thing, right? That doesn't appear to have been a fluke. Like he appears to be a legitimate three-point shooter now. Um, But yeah, the contract is what makes it hard. Um, It's hard to think about. Okay, who's going to be willing to acquire an eighteen million-dollar contract? Um, You know, if you're acquiring Reggie Jacksons for two reasons, as I said, it's either to create cap space because he's expiring, or it's to add a a starter-level quality player, and that that would be a relatively big trade for someone trying to make a push to make so um yeah i i don't know i it's not out of the realm of possibility to me because he's playing so good, but it's also a little bit difficult it's it's not your typical trade that you'd see a good team try to make to get better uh to push into the playoffs
0: yeah i think any team that traded for Reggie would be interested in like keeping him for the next season but at a much lower number, and you figure that that uh Getting him in, playing him those last twenty games, getting him perhaps acquainted with your medical staff and, and establishing some trust there would be pretty big for him. Seeing as how like that's been the limiting factor on his career, um, and so yeah, I think it's it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, I would uh, it'd be it'd be interesting to see Reggie someplace that's not Detroit. He has he's definitely like evolved his game to be more than just a pick and roll playmaker. We saw a lot of that last year as he. Uh, was more of a spot up shooter around Blake Griffin, but we've seen some of it this year as well. They've played him uh, in the backcourt next to Derrick Rose, and he's been he's fulfilled like much the same spot up shooter role uh, next to Rose. We've actually seen him play. Uh, this is something I've noticed. They play him next to Bruce Brown, and they also let Bruce Brown kind of initiate the offense and uh, treat Reggie as much the same kind of uh, perimeter threat. But he's much more able to like attack the defense when when Brown is on the floor. Um, And so like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be something that's really interesting. Um, If Andre were to get traded, I don't know how effective Reggie would be like without that, like really strong pick and roll threat. And so like, maybe that's a limiting factor on like what you can ask for in a Reggie Jackson trade. But yeah, Reggie has been really good this year and it went when when he's played in like the, you know, seven games we've seen him so far this year. And so it wouldn't be, I put it like, you know, like. 10% 10 percent that, that he gets traded uh, I will say I've heard some people ask like you know because Reggie's played so well like do you think there's a pistons the chance the pistons bring him back for next season and to that I would say no both the uh, both the team and Reggie seem like they need a, a break from one another Reggie seems like he needs a new start someplace else I'm happy that he's able to uh, like show what he can do but that I don't think that means he he's coming back uh, for next year.
1: Yeah, please don't let that happen. I mean, (laughs) I appreciate that Reggie has modernized his game a little bit, and it's weird to think about, like, the pick-and-roll game that SVG's tried to bring to Detroit is almost starting to feel old school when you look at the way the the league is evolving right now. The best players in the game aren't really pick-and-roll players. Um, I appreciate that Reggie has developed a consistent jump shot. I appreciate, as you mentioned, that he's been able to play off the ball effectively, but no. Um, you know, th- this didn't work out for Reggie Jackson and the Pistons and that's okay. Uh, I think we can move on and uh and be okay with that break up amicably. I think is the is the way forward there.
0: Yeah. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> <Exactly>. Even though <laughs> yeah. even though they weren't so great.
1: Right. I, I got to see you in a suit a whole lot. I really appreciate that.
0: <laughs> he he looks good in a suit. I'll yeah. give him that. Yeah. All right, Ben. Uh the Pistons have a back-to-back. They go to memphis on monday memphis is a uh great city to go to uh a home game against phoenix on wednesday the trade deadline is thursday and so they don't play on the trade deadline so they avoid kind of that awkward uh like uh the harrison barnes thing whereas like harrison barnes is uh, sitting on the bench with like the uh the blankest stare imaginable when you uh, he realizes he's been traded <laughs> they go to oklahoma city on friday and they have a home game against the knicks on saturday ben how many games the pistons lose this week
1: man it's actually a pretty big week right like it's a lot of a lot of games um can they beat phoenix i don't know um i think the thunder a bad matchup for them of course the thunder might look a lot different there's a lot of trade buzz happening there as well Very um, true. i don't know they seem to be pretty consistently like winning one out of four right so if we count today as the win um see. When are the Knicks Saturday? Ooh, they could win two. They might win two because they could potentially beat Phoenix. They could potentially beat the Knicks. So I I think they might be able to win two games.
0: It would be, I want to see who is playing that game against the Oklahoma city thunder and the New York Knicks before I say whether or not they're going to win those games. Yeah. The Knicks actually beat the Pacers uh, Saturday night. And so, uh, you know, Knicks have a lot of guys who are trying to play to get traded away from the Knicks. (laughs) And so we'll, we'll see if they've given up hope uh, if since they play after the trade deadline, but yeah, the, the Pistons have a very low chance of winning that game against Memphis, a lot of emotion and a lot of energy in today's uh, win over the Denver nuggets and to just like immediately fly out and play Memphis the next day. Like, I I don't think that's going to carry over. That's going to be really difficult. Um, Phoenix on Wednesday, will be a good one. Phoenix is really deep and they are still fighting for their playoff live. So they will have something to prove in that game. That looks like a loss. Um, Oklahoma city day after the deadline, if there are major changes, you know, if they trade Andre Drummond, whoever they get for Andre Drummond might not even be like cleared and ready to play or anything like that. It's like that, that definitely looks like a loss uh, to me. And then hopefully you beat the Knicks. Hopefully you beat the Knicks and you uh, keep uh, the like, the three four game losing five game losing streaks like in the rear view mirror That was that was why i loved the the win tonight because if they didn't win that game today they were looking like a eight nine game losing streak in the face and that was that was going to be really difficult
1: yeah i'm cool with being a good team every now and again just keep losing to the other bad teams right like we don't want to we don't want to miss a lottery ball chance because we you know we beat the the nets too many times or something like that
0: yeah and you know we lost to the nets twice last exactly week. Perfect. Just just keep losing the the rest of the Eastern Conference teams. Those those are the teams you want to lose to. <laughs> all right, Ben. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. Let the people know where they can talk to you about all these fake trades that are going to happen in between now and Thursday.
1: Hit me up on Twitter at br Golker, of course, in the comments. And uh, what I'm going to be thinking about if Andre Drummond and Derrick Rose are Pistons on February seven. What I'm going to be looking at for the rest of the season, Laz, is do do. Derek Rose and Andre Drummond make any sense playing together? I have this, I have this theory that I haven't talked about much because it doesn't seem to matter a whole lot. But Derek Rose seems to play, or excuse me, Andre Drummond seems to play worse when he's playing with Derek Rose. Um, you know, today we saw uh, the Reggie Jackson Andre Drummond Renaissance, so to speak. I'm just wondering if maybe that fit isn't good for Andre, and if that also has something to do with his bad play. So maybe we'll be talking about that in a week or two from now
0: you you are not the only person who has noticed that i will (laughs) i will will say that much uh and of course you can always follow me on twitter at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e all right y'all that has been the detroit bad boys podcast and we will talk to you next week